Yes, and welcome to episode number 78. And this is going to be a recap show. For th- so for the holiday season, we are, while we are retooling for 2022, we're going to air some of our most popular shows. Not just in popularity, but in impact into the body of Christ. And just great information that was shared during the show. So episode 78 is a recap show from episode number 26, where which aired on November 24th, 2020. And it featured a great guest by the name of Pastor Evangelist Louis Negron. And we talk about urban missions. And we never hear about urban missions. You hear about missions, but never urban missions. So I want you to sit back, get ready, and prepare to be blessed immensely by the great pastor. Welcome to the Church Sound Podcast, where kingdom culture, real life, and technology intersect. I'm your host, Prentice Thompson, along with the pastor, Caleb Winley. We're here to help you get through Sunday. Did you hear the pastor? What about your live streams, social media? We provide solid solutions for all of your multimedia needs. Let's learn something. Yes, yes, yes. Welcome to another edition of the Church Sound Podcast. I'm your humble host, Prentice Thompson, along with the pastor. Pastor Caleb Willie, guys, how y'all doing out there, man? What's up? Let's get it. Welcome to episode number 26. Six. 26. 26. 26. Wow, bro. Amazing. <laughs> Yo, look, at, look at God. Look at God. Strong D. You know what? Strong I'm, D. I'm strong D. You gotta have a look at God. God. You gotta have a strong D behind it. So you know, I'm so you know for it's holy. 106. That's I'm what I'm waiting for. I'm waiting for it. A, a buck. A buck. I'm good. A buck. A buck. All right. A buck. A buck. All right. All right. It's a buck. A buck is a year. Yeah, 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 that's ah, true. That's ah, true. Under two years. Yeah, man. Under two years. All right, man. So, welcome to another edition of the Church Sound Podcast. First thing, we yeah. want to shout out our sponsor, Metro Podcast Studio, hottest Good podcast studio in New York City. If you have your podcasting needs, for live recording, streaming, audio, post production, they got to hit them up. MetroPodcastStudio.com. Yeah. They will take care of you. Today's topic of our show is mm-hmm. titled Urban Missions. Yeah. Urban Missions. It's, it's it's loaded. It could go a lot of different ways. Yeah, it, it probably but could. We, but we have, we have a superlative guest. I use, come on, thought, come on, come I, on. thought I throw out my college word today. Uh-oh, we uh, have a superlative. Yeah, no, no, no. $10 word. Superlative. You know how, okay. Er, okay. The er, superlative guest. Superlative. Superlative. <laughs> Working on my working on my dialogue, sir. Okay. So we have our superlative guests, and we have the mass. The pastor is going to bring the man of God into the business. Yes. So we on right now. Get yourself ready. I want to read something to you, but I also added some stuff to it. So, Pastor Evangelist Louis Negron is an associate pastor at the Flow Kingdom Ministries in the Bronx, New York, where he also serves as the director of outreach. And youth pastor, along with his wife, Pastor Negron, is president of the NYPD 48th Precinct Council, the NYPD clergy liaison, and co-founder of the faith-based Cure Violent Organization, 
the Bronx Peacemakers. Pastor Negron is married to Pastor Jessica Negron, and they have seven wonderful, stupendous, incredible, ridiculous, in love with God children. Man, 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 been busy. Been busy. I'm introducing to y'all right now my brother, my family, Pastor Louis. What's up, Lou? Yes. God bless you guys. What's up, man? I'm honored to be here. Thank you for having me. Hey, listen, man. The fact this 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 how you know it was a pastor. Anybody else is not a pastor. They don't go. They don't go. Well, you know, God bless you. See, that's see, that's it right there. <laughs> they start. They leave. They leave with God. You know. They leave with, nah, I appreciate it. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate. It. You know what I always say. I, I've been saying this for the last couple months. You have people who are marching for the last three hundred days to get their voice heard. Yeah. If somebody invite you to come on somewhere to hear you speak. I appreciate it, man. That's great. You got hundreds of people who are looking for the opportunity. Exactly. Thousands, exactly. thousands. Well, That's thank you for thank you for being part of the program. We appreciate your presence, sir. Yeah. Uh, this is a much needed topic um, that we want to dive into. But before we do that, yeah, we're gonna get into what we always get into. Come on. All of, our, all of our listeners know this. Those of our new listeners know we do this thing called Sunday School. What well, Sunday, Sunday School is? Sunday School is the crazy, funny stories that be, that yeah. are around church that we can share with you and impart some laughter. Yeah, yeah. Put some sugar in your medicine uh-huh. to your soul. So, uh-huh. ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, cats and dogs, let's talk. Let's get into Sunday School. Okay, class, it's time. Time for Sunday School. Come on. All right. All right. So, all right. I am the minister of the moment. Uh-oh. I got my three points. Three I got three points. Now, the, the, the significance of this, gentlemen, is that you get to pick between these three points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what you guys decide is what I'll go with. Okay. Okay. Okay, okay, okay. My first point is mm-hmm. put down your phone. Put down your phone. Put down your phone. Say it aloud. Say it together. Number one, number one. Say it with your chest. Down your phone. Down your phone. Down your phone. Down your phone. Okay. All right. Number two. Uh huh. Up bears all. Up bears all. Yeah, that's the that's the Holy Ghost topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bears. 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 The last, last topic, the last point, <laughs> the last point is hiding in plain sight. Mm. You, you guys um, sit down, converse amongst yourselves, let you know what you're going to do. Hiding in plain sight. Yo, dude, uh, yeah, I like hiding in plain sight. Yeah, man, I'm, think, I'm thinking that too, bro. I'm thinking that too. Yeah, let, let's say that one, hiding in plain sight. You sure? Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking about something. With the cup thing, but I'm like, I think I'm leaning more to get yeah, that hiding in plain sight. That, that, okay, hiding in, pl- in plain sight for 75. Okay, uh huh. Ding ding ding, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, cats and toys, get ready for get ready for Sunday school as I bring the word of God to the your world. household. Yes, all right. So, because it's this topic, it, it just it, it, when I heard the title, it flashed me back to my childhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My mom. God rest her soul. She died last year. I miss it dearly. Mm-hmm. And she was a prophetess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The prophetess, I mean, like, now I'm not talking about one of them say she a prophet. I'm talking about 
I can call my mom and she tell me who's standing next to me. Right. Mm. Tell me what color they got on. Mm-hmm. Like one of them. Like wow. not one of them profit lying. I'm talking like every right, right, day. Right. You know, I didn't get away with nothing. <laughs> and you know, at the point you just like, you know, it don't even make it don't even make a sense to even try. Nah. So oh, I must have been about I had to been maybe twelve. Okay. And the church, we, 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 we were in a Baptist church and we moved to a Pentecostal church, right? Mm-hmm. And and they were doing street ministry. Okay. Okay. So they decided to do street ministry on 125th Street. Oh, no. Oh, that's a... All right. So this is the thing. So the church we went to was on the east side. So I'm thinking, we're going to be on the east side. Ain't nobody going to see me out there. Boop de boop. I'm gonna be standing out there, whatever. So they uh, moved from oh, two fifth to like I'm going my Harlem slang. They moved from two fifth to 126, 127, right, right by the um St. Nick Projects around there. Okay. And exactly talking about. Right. So we standing there, standing there, standing there, and you know, you know, go ahead and attract to that lady right there. She likes you need a law. <laughs> and I tra- go get go get a boy. Go get hand out a track and, and bring her back. We're gonna pray for me. My mom was aggressive. So I run into all my boys. I'm like, I'm trying to wow. skate away. Like, what you doing out here? No, I'm just, you know, this, you know, you know. I was heading, you know. Did you come with? I'm just, I'm trying to lie. <laughs> I'm trying to like act like I'm not with them. Even oh if, man, even though I got, even though I got the, I got the collar shirt on. It's a Saturday. I'm, try, I'm, you know. Finally, they was like. Just see your moms. We see Mr. They, they, they know. We see Mr. Right? We know you out here. But we got jokes later. Because <laughs> and dude, that that memory of me standing out there in that hot sun, handing out tracks. That's hilarious. Just force feeding the word the word on me. Like, why? How come I can't just go? <laughs> how come I just can't go to the park? Why right, don't right. handing out tracks? You know, right? Man. Sunday, school. Sunday school. Man. Yeah. So, all right. So, let's get into yeah. the topic of the day. Now, when I thought about the topic, the first thing that popped into my head was this scripture, and I believe, um, Pastor Negron, or should I call you Louis, or what? 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 What, what would we call you, sir? Yeah, Pastor Negron's fine. Pastor Negron. Okay, yeah, I want to make sure I get the accent right. Pastor Negron. Okay, I got it right. No, okay. Okay, so I, I believe the keynote scripture should be. Now, I could, you, you can you could you could correct me because I'm surrounded by I'm surrounded today by pastors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm That's surrounded. The- I'm surrounded. I feel like <laughs> Elijah, surrounded by the angels. I'm, I'm surrounded. I think the keynote scripture should be. I believe should be Matthew 28, 19, and twenty says, "Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe yes. all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Yeah. Could that be accurate? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I thought you were going to say Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but I think the Great Commission is exactly what this is about. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so in that, in that I, I, what I want to do is break down because a lot of times when people hear urban, they have different visuals of what right, they think right. urban is. Right, right. right. 
And what urban is really is a city. Right. It is people who live in a large population centers Mm -hmm. that are called cities. The smaller ones are basically called towns. The smallest ones are basically called villages or what we call small, small, small towns. Right, right. The, uh, the adjective urban does not mean negative. Right. Or it black. Means, or black. It means right. population. Right. Good. Right. So I just want to clarify that so that way people don't think, because the one thing I hate is like when you watch TV and you, and you see um, things about people who are poor. Right. Right? Yeah. And the images you see when people are poor are usually people of color. Exactly. They're in Africa with the bleed with the fleas on their eyelids and yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and in poor impoverished areas. But realistically, in America, there are more poor white people. Yeah. Than there are poor black people. This exactly. is based on numbers. Yeah. This based on numbers. The poverty rate for African American is oh, higher. Bro. But mm-hmm. the population is smaller. I just want everybody to get that clear. So the population right. rate is 18%. Right. The white population rate is 7.3, but there are 14.2 million people who are white. Mm-hmm. There are 8.1 people who are, are, are African American or black okay. and brown people. And then as far as just women in poverty alone, that's 11.5%, and that's 19 million people. That could be many races. Okay. Huh. So, with that being said, when you think about urban, I just want to just break it all apart, is that we're talking about population, densely populated areas. Yeah. However, in these densely populated areas, there are people and ministers and people who are called to a certain culture of people because you speak their language. Right. 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 What do you say to that, sir? It's on you, man. It was on me. Amen. So <laughs> it's the pastor lot. He's son of an amen. Yo, well, you know, you know, it, it's deep because when you look at talk about poverty and, and, and outreach, look at the Bronx, for example. Right. I'm in 10460. Uh, well, we are we're in the poorest congressional district in the nation. Per capita mm. dollar per person, we're the poorest in the whole nation in the South Bronx, right? Mm. So that's anywhere south of the, uh, Fordham Road is considered South Bronx. Right. That's that's like ninety percent of the South Bronx to me. Exactly. But we're in a place where people are literally starving, and people are hungry. And when you look at outreach and what that looks like and what they have to look like, we have to address the needs of the people, right? Because you you can't you can't do evangelism in a place to bring the good news when people's stomachs are growling, right? Exactly. So, uh, uh, you know, for myself, doing outreach where I'm from, I have to speak their language, but I got to know what their concerns are. And if your concerns are making sure you have dinner on the, on the table tonight, that's going to be the starting point for our conversation. Right. But somebody, somebody in, you know, somewhere else, they, their concern might be something else. Health, it may be health care. It may be, you know, dental care. It may be education, you know, whatever it is. But for us, though we have all those issues, our main problem right now is hunger. Right, wow. right. So, 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 wow. yeah. so we asked you how did how did you get into this area of ministry, and like, what's your background just in ministry? Period. 
That's good. That's a good question, man. Well, you know, I'm writing a book. I'm writing a book next year uh, about the journey. But when I was about 13 years old, I was dressed like you, man. I had a red hat, red shirt, red red pants. Had the red windbreakers on, the red and white Jordans, man. Right? <laughs> because in my neighborhood, I only had two choices, or three choices. I could be blood, crip, or Latin king because I'm Hispanic. Mm. So I had three choices, and I was choosing the bloods because that's what all my friends were blood. So you know, going to church with my mother one day, and you you get into this church, and you get to see the glory of God for the first time and experience it. I didn't think it was real. You know what I mean? And the, the bishop called me up, Bishop Bailey, uh, Love Gospel. He called me up. He prayed for me, laid hands on me. I fell out to the floor. I'm thinking to myself, this is why I don't come to church. I come here one time, they push me. <laughs> 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 right? and, and it was, I felt that way until I tried to get up. I couldn't get off the floor. And I realized that there was something more than this guy just putting his hand on me. Long story short, when I left out of there, I walked into back into a neighborhood that I'm from, from one for one day, third in Webster. I come out. Of, I come out of the church back onto the Grand Concourse. Two different worlds. Yeah. People strung out. It's like ten o'clock at night. People strung out on a mission for crack. My my friends are outside. The blood is outside. You smell weed everywhere. People drinking. The liquor store lined down the block. And I thought to myself, why is it that the people out here don't know about what's going on in the in middle there. of that block? Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. literally, the church is right there, and yeah. they all are looking for. The next high is to achieve what they have. Mm-hmm. And I think that stuck with me. Even after years, you know, still going back into the world and everything else, it stuck with me that the church had the secret that the whole world was looking for. So when God really called me to ministry, it was for evangelism and to bring that feeling that we have in church and bring it into the local street corner. Wow. wow. That's dope. That's my background. That's how That's I always thought. Wow. You know, wow. You know, the funny thing is that the fact that you brought this up, I had read something online and I, and, I, and I wanted to read it. I wasn't sure if I was going to read it, but I felt this definition was false, but you just kind of clarified it. So I'm going to read this. It says the inner cities of America are the definition of an unreached group of people. When you realize there is no indigenous self-provocating growth of Christian community, the church taking place of Although many churches exist in these impoverished areas, most are spiritually bankrupt and uninterested in reaching their community. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's and that's that's something that um, that is absolutely true. I was part of a ministry that all we did was live inside. Right. We never went out. We ne- and and when we did go out, we was always pointing to you to come back to us. Right. We never went into the housing we had. And we, our, my own, this old ministry at the particular time was on the Grand Concourse. Wow. And so when, that means that we had this whole plethora of people out there and we we refused to go out to them. And like I said, whatever we did, we was like, okay, here's a track. Now, I don't want, I'm not going to pray for you. If you want to get prayed, you got to come to the church. I, you know, uh, uh, you got a need, you got to come to the church. We were never prepared in that specific time. We thought that the word, we thought that everything had to be, bring them in when the Bible says go out. And it was, it had to be, it was an evangelist that came from London, England and rebuked the church and told us, yo, everything you do is trying to get everybody in this building. That is about only, but so big. And you got a whole pulpit on every single corner that you can give people the gospel and that's what's supposed to be taking place. And so when we did urban ministry, 
it was what the focus was getting individuals, getting myself outside of the four walls of the church and getting myself into the lives of the people. That's what urban ministry is all about. And anything other than that is, like you said, we gotta meet, you gotta meet the needs. You gotta have pantries, you gotta bring out clothes. Whatever it takes, that's what it's going, that's that's what urban ministry looks like because a lot of times we wanna go out into the buy and buy and God has sent us out and we forget our communities. And our communities, that's what God wants to move at. Right. That's what he wants to do. Right, right. So, 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 um, Pastor Negron, like, what is your your concept of of urban missions, if you will? Like, how would you define it, and what and what has been your 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 your, your train of thought, and how you would approach how you approach it? You know, it is you know, I think that first and foremost, I think it's important that you have somebody as an evangelist, anybody who's thinking about doing ministry outside the four walls, that you have somebody that you can filter your thoughts your thoughts through, mm-hmm. because uh, the Holy Spirit. I will lead you, but many times we just get in our own head. So it's important we have somebody ahead of us that sort of is overseeing us and blessing us. I have my apostle, Israel Pena. So a lot of time I tell him, hey, I got this vision to do. Nine times out of 10, he's like, man, go for it. I think that's an amazing idea. But it's that 1%, that one time out of 10 where he's like, do not, do not dare do that. <laughs> because you want to, you get so zealous to go out and do stuff and you put yourself in some dangerous situations. But um, my, my vision is to go out and meet people who look like me, right? So that means I'm not going out in my pastor's collar or my minister's collar. I'm not going out in the three-piece suit um, dressed up with the shiny shoes on. That means I got my fitted cap with my, you know, my, my hoodie on and, and my Jordans and, and, you know, my Timberlands and just hit the block and might see somebody going through something. But the Holy Spirit will lead you. And I get to talk to people who look like me and have real conversations with them. And that means it's a lifestyle as well. It's not just a, a missions, you know. Uh, we do something every year called Love New York, where we got churches from all over New York City. People come from other states to come to New York City to evangelize. But it's just like for that week or for those two weeks. And then the church feels like, all right, check it off. We did it. But I'm pushing. I'm trying to train people to do it on an everyday basis. Your whole life is a lifestyle of evangelizing. That means the way you live in itself. People look at you like, damn, there's something different about you. Hey, like, yo, what's up with you? I, I was, I do property management for a living. I'm in a basement with an electrician for three hours. He's talking, he's cursing. We having full conversation. And at the end, I go, yo, I need you to hurry up because I have church in like two hours. And he's like, church? I'm like, yeah, I'm a pastor. And he's like, man, I was wondering why you weren't cursing. Yeah. Mm. I, was, I was wondering why you can't bring in so much positivity to everything that I was saying. Now it makes sense. You're a pastor. So it goes beyond just the, all right, church, let's get blessed and go outside and bless everybody. But now, once we're done here and you go out and you live your life day to day outside, outside the church, what does that look like? How is that evangelized? On those days when you bring bring people back to the church, that's when you win souls. Right, right. That's so, my vision. So in this, so in this pandemic, pandemic area that we're in, like, how has that changed your perspective, like church evangelism? Yeah. Like, what is, what is, what, what, where you're at with that? Well, you know, well, first, um, we had a food pantry that we opened up uh, two years ago. We started the food pantry. We were served about 100, 140 people a week, like every Monday. Um, during the pandemic, the first, the first week in April, that number jumped from 150 to 600. And wow. 
we didn't have any more food. You know, the supermarkets are shut down, wow. the movie theaters are shut down, the bars and restaurants are shut down, people are losing their job, people are getting laid off, the offices were closing, right? Wow. So like the church closed. So we were only open for food pantry. And we went from a need of 140, 150 to literally 600 people waiting online. And I think after the first two weeks, I ran out of food. So I'm like, wow. listen, so do you have a need of people? And you want to talk about evangelism? Evangelism, evangel, the word evangel is the Greek word of good news. Yeah. Right? So people were walking by and I was saying, hey, you need dinner for tonight? If you lit way in this line, we'll have a bag of food for you. And the woman was like, yo, God is good. Because I was just praying. I don't know what I'm going to feed my kids tonight. Yeah. So that was, that was a way of evangelizing for that season. And that took off. And we went from serving the 640 in, in, one, in one or two days. We started doing hot cook food. And you had cab drivers who were out of business. They were driving by and picking up meals and taking it back home. So wow. uh, it, it completely changed the face of how evangelism was wow. done. I can't do it, man. I can't run up on you and be up in your face and talk to you about Jesus because we got to be apart six feet. And I got right. a mask on. I can't do subway church that I like to do because you can't be up in the subway system the way you were before. You can't right. be heavily congested. You can't do things the way you were before. And then at the same time, people just weren't in the street the right. way they were before. Cool. Everything changed. So, so social media helped out in a big way. And for me, I'll be honest, I think like the two, the two weeks before COVID hit, we were in the eldership meeting at my church and I was fighting to get the media department to shut down our live streaming. That was me, the evangelist. Wow. Wow. I, was, yeah, I was saying, yo, it's too much. <laughs> See, I said, we cannot stream every service. We got to have the people come here. Like I'm, I'm evangelizing. Wow. A lot of people are evangelizing too, are watching it on Facebook. We can't stream every service. And the apostle was like, no, we're going to stream every service. And good thing he thought that way because two weeks later, that was wow. the only way to that have That was all church. you had. That was all you had. Wow. Yes, I'm guilty of that, man. I was. Wow. I had it on the chopping block. No more social media. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Wow. Everything changed. Everything changed. Wow. wow. So, that's bro, how- amazing. How that's I'm happy that you kind of touched on that because how like in the midst of what you do uh post COVID or and and now um, it was pre or post um how do you use technology how do you use social media how what how does that work in what you do like yeah I know well without me even saying anything give us kind of the scope of how that works. When you have your team and all that, how, how does that work for you guys? Well, uh, first and foremost, man, I wish I would have bought stock in Zoom in 2019. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, was, it, sure. was, it was one of those things like, yo, why didn't I think of this, man? All right. Like the Jetsons should have, you know, given us an yeah. invitation, man, that we were going to yeah. need this later on. Yep. But, but it changed dramatically because we have eldership meetings. We have fasting meetings that we have in person. All that went virtual. Right. And then we have um, our, you know, our church service. Not all that's virtual for months. Right. I think for, for everybody, it was all yeah. virtual. We have pastors conference. We have interviews like this, TV interviews. Everything went virtual. The studio didn't even invite people no more. Everything was wow. stay home and we'll Zoom you in or, you know, whatever it was. So it changed dramatically because that was the only way for us to communicate with our people. But at the same time, it was also an eye-opener uh, to show of two things. First of all, the capacity and the range in which you can reach people. Right. Realize we can reach. And then also show 
we were showing up in person for things we could have done virtually. You know what I mean? It was like, mm-hmm. sort of like, you mean all this time we could have been doing this virtually? You know, like we didn't have to be there in person. And so I believe for the people who are on church, it was easy to get them online. You know, you can tag people in it. You yeah, can get yeah, yeah. going. You can do uh, host watch parties. And I think the views jumped up as well. I think we had like maybe a thousand, fifteen hundred views. And during COVID nineteen, those jumping into the thousands of views. You know what I mean? So it definitely changed That's the way problem. we did things. And I think it will continue to change the way we did things. I don't think we need to do things the way we did before. Um, I think, but you know, I think the the, the challenging part is going to be how do we get back to church as usual? Right. People experience. It's like the person who got to work from home or the kid that got to do homeschooling. Yeah. To get those people back into a building is be very hard. Yeah. Right, that's true. right. That's true. You know, the one thing I found because I, I speak to churches like every day, pretty much every day. Mm-hmm. And um, but I found that in this transition period, they want to do um, outdoor events, right? And with the outdoor events, and I'll speak a little, a little bit, a bit of technology before it comes with audio is concerned, is that a lot of times they don't realize they need more power than they did before yeah. because now they may tell me, oh, listen, we were, we we're going to have like 75 people, but before the 75 people were all together. Right. Right. Now the 75 people are spread out. Exactly. And so when I tell them, you know, you probably going to need like another 2000 Watts of power because if you're outdoors sound travels, exactly. You need more reach, which means you need more power Right. It reached the back of where you're going. And secondly, if you're doing an outdoor event, what you want is your sound to be amazing because that brings people to you. Exactly. And I found that that's been the regular conversation. Why do I need these big speakers? Why do I need to pay XYZ for these really good microphones instead of these hundred dollar microphones exactly. and I always tell them I have to tell these churches that you have to invest in great audio because the great audio is the stuff that will keep it will never get old because yeah. that stuff stays forever you make one, one good investment so as far as moving into like when the summer months came were you guys looking to do like outreach outdoors um were you guys looking to um, keep doing the pantry. What were the other areas were you guys doing um, for outreach? You know, so, you know, outreach is so, it's so vast. It, it goes so deep. It, it's so much more than just the, you know, the evangelism, the one-on-one. It's supporting a city. You know what I mean? So it looks a little different than what we've been taught years and years ago, right? Because now we're able to go places that, you know, the people who founded the church in the Bronx weren't able to go and, and weren't right. able to do so, you know, it goes beyond just the food pantry. We have our back to school drives, which every year I do, I always say, man, I wish, you know, that my family had that. You know, I had that growing up. My mother had that. There was no, there was no such thing as a back to school drive. No. You know what I mean? You, you, literally, I do a, a back to school drive. In our church, we have hundreds of book bags we're giving away, fully packed. Not the little, you know, the fake pencil and this and that. No, <laughs> fully packed with everything that kid's going to need for the next school year, at least for the for the beginning of a few semesters, it'll be set. So we do that as well. That's an outdoor event. Usually that's an indoor event. But this time we did a back, a back to school barbecue. So we did a barbecue. We did live music. We had, you know, Christian hip hop, the DJ. 
And then we had um, all the stuff outside. So the kids would come in, they would get fed, they would get, so we're knocking out a few stones with, you know, at one time, uh, mm-hmm. a few with one stone, and then we were just hitting them with the uh, the health stuff. So we're giving them PPE, masks, hand sanitizer, and then you're getting the guys who had a prayer table, English and Spanish, where the family can get prayed for. So that's sort of the events we're doing now. And then going into Thanksgiving, Christmas, these are all going to have to be uh, the majority outdoor events. Right. Uh, serving people in places where they not have the congestion. Because we're getting hundreds of people for these events. So right. all, all that stuff changes. But then that's only, that's only limited to that. We also have riots. We have marches and protests. I'm involved in that as well. I'm, I'm literally walking into protests with everybody else. I got my own bullhorn. And I run up to the front. And I'm out there with them. I'm understanding their pain because if I'm, if I'm a pastor of them, I'm pastoring a city. I'm not just pastoring. Right. I'm pastoring an entire city. So because I'm with the city, when the city's in outcry and outrage, I have to be out there with them to understand what is it they're saying. Because in, in the crowd, people shouting and screaming, what the media shows you, you have to get out there and hear people's voice and say, well, what do you hear about? And, and read that's the true. signs. So that's also a part of it. You'll say you have the police department and the police department, uh, you know, uh, I have to be, I have to be, um, you know, in the middle ground. I can't, I can't be on the side of the police, and I can't be on the, on the side of the community, 100%. I can't be on either one. Either one is is bound to go wrong. You know, you oh. see, you know, police brutality on one end, and then you see the, you know, the community destroying Fordham Road. Right. So I got to stay in the middle as a man of God and say, listen, I'm not on the community side. I'm not on the police side. I'm on the side of God. For as long as I'm in the middle, I can always be a bridge for the two. Right. <laughs> so right. then you got to right. get the police department. And you say, all right, we find out nine, 10, 11, 12, 13 suicides in the NYPD. So as a pastor, my concern is, okay, people are killing themselves in this place. Now I have to pass to the police department. So you, be, mm-hmm. you become a clergy for the police and say, listen, I'm going to be here and pray for you guys every roll call. And then you hear about precincts where 50% of them have COVID-19. So they're in trouble. Wow. So it goes so much further than just the serving of the food, evangelism has to be, hear the cry of the city and meet it. Wow. That's a, that's amazing. So during the protest, what would you think was the, the biggest, um, the biggest thing that you heard that wasn't in the news, like amongst the crowd and amongst right, the- Right, 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 right. That's good. You know, I think what wasn't in the news was the people weren't even from New York. Another mission. Yeah. The first, the first process that we had in the Bronx, I think they printed in the newspaper, uh, May 30, I think at the end of, end of May. We had a protest, two protests going. One that was going to be on Fordham Road. I went up there, I spoke to these guys. They were from an organization and I had a conversation with them and they agreed to, to not have that one. Every member who was there was not from New York. Mm. They were from, they were from Georgia, Colorado, Detroit. These guys had no idea where they were. So I'm like, listen, guys, this is, I had to explain the neighborhood to them and say, listen, you can't do this here because if this goes left, right, when in the middle of a shopping district, it don't work. So they agreed to end it, but they did the other one down in the South Bronx on 149, was okay. another major hub. We went down there and the, the organizers for that march, when I went up there and I said, all right, who's the organizer? Very unorganized, but three three young ladies were organized. I said, all right, cool, where you from? Right? Like, I'm, I'm from the hood too. I'm like, yo, where you from? And she's like, oh, I'm, one girl says I'm from um, from Dykeman. I said, all right, so you from you from up there? All right, cool. Where you yeah. from? The girl, I'm from Connecticut. All right, welcome to New York. Where you from? Oh, I'm from Philly. All right, welcome to New York. So I'm like, all right, check this out. Since I'm the only person who's here from the Bronx, this is my march. That's what's up. Now I'm taking over, and I think that's, that's something that the media didn't talk about. People are coming from all, all over. 
to come to New York City to let that, their voices be heard. But we have our own leaders here. And exactly. when we feel something needs to be said or something needs to happen, we'll be the first to speak up. But there's a lot of people who are saying things that weren't relative to New York City. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. and, and when you don't know the neighborhood, when you don't know the places where you at, and you're running a march to, to speak on our behalf, you had to be careful. So I think right. that was, I noticed in that the media never spoke about it. I don't think the media even knew. I think now it's coming out more with the recent yeah, arrest, being arrested. But back in May, when this all first started, I, I, I did a protest for, uh, for unborn children. I had four people show up from Connecticut, older white people from Connecticut, with Black Lives Matter signs. And they were very aggressive. I said, man, this is not even about that. This is about unborn children. <laughs> this, 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 is about, this is about abortion, right? And they just showed, they just showed them. We asked them to leave. They got in their cars and they left. Wow. 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 You know, the one thing though, bro, one thing that I, you know, and I want to commend you on, man, that I think is incredible, which I don't think I've really ever heard anybody say, I'm pastor in the city. That's that's the heart of an evangelist. We understand, and I think every pastor should have that same heart, that we're not just pastoring those people in our four walls and our local centers, but we're pastoring the city, that city that we live in. We take ownership of it, and, we, and, and we're responsible to make it grow. I think that that's, that's really dope. And, I, and, and I, you know, I, 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 my, my prayer, even as we're having this, this conversation, is that other pastors would, would adopt that same mindset to say, this is bigger than my congregation. We have to be a people of the people. You know what I'm saying? I think that that's dope. I, think now, that's you know, really dope. I, I appreciate that, man. You know, that was something that was revealed to me. I think maybe like six, six seven years ago, um, this kid from my block had, a, had babies and they were in ICU. And he's like, oh, can you come pray for the kids and everything? They're not doing well. So I'm like, yeah, I went up to the hospital and I went in there, man, and they were giving me a hard time to go see the babies in the ICU. And the kid was so aggressive, man. He's like, yo, he's my effing pastor. <laughs> like, I was like, I thought to myself, I'm like, he don't go to my church. Right? Wow. He don't go wow. to my church. Like, and he's so passionate. Like, if my pastor can't go in there, like, nobody going in there. And he was so wow. passionate about it. And I realized at that moment that I, I pastor and I'm a minister way farther and greater than just the church building that I'm in. I didn't wow. realize how many people I was their pastor for. That's dope. Wow. So let me ask you this. As far as urban out outreach, what what difference are you seeing when you, when you, you do outreach for the Latin community and the African-American community? Well, you know, I get to, I get to trick them both. <laughs> yeah. You, right. I get to trick, I get to trick them both, man, because I'm, I'm Afro-Latino. You know exactly. what I'm saying? So, right. So you do, you do my genealogy, look at my blood, man. My blood's all African, right? I have very little Latin blood in me. Uh, but the way, you know, my forefathers came into this country, they came in through Puerto Rico, there were slaves there and so on. So when I go into the community, they look at me. I look just like them, right? right. And Hispanics, they, they blow me off most of the time. Like, you know, leave me alone. You know, no habla inglés, man. I'm like, no, no te preocupes. Porque ahora español también. Y te quiero hablar de Jesucristo. And they be like, oh, okay. I love it. So, I love it. so my response is, is good on both sides. But I can tell you one thing they have in common. Everybody's hungry for salvation. 
Yeah. Mm. Because everybody's hurting, man. So they're equally depressed. They're equally on it, on, on, you know, you know, misinformed, right? Because I had the Hispanic community telling me, hey, uh, the masks are only for people with diabetes. I had the black community tell me, oh, uh, COVID-19 is because of the satellite, wow. the, 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 the cell phone satellite. What? Are you serious? True, true story. The LG wow. or 5G, the 5G satellites. Oh, yeah, 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 Nah, fam, trust me, it's the new satellites they're putting up. And they were straight-faced, believed it. And then I had, I had um, you know, the older Hispanic community telling me that, you know, it, was, it wasn't for people who are under 40 years old. You have to be older in age in order to get COVID-19. So our community wow. are equally misinformed. Our communities are equally, um, you know, wow. hurt by the pandemic. Our communities are equally uh, done with depression and trauma, right? Right. So at the end of the day, the, the, the Hispanic and the black community, we're dealing with the, different, the, the same things. It's just that our community makeup is different. Right. You know what I mean? Right. right. And, and, and unfortunately, it's a whole other topic. The Hispanic community sits together far greater than our black community. Exactly. That's a fact. Yeah, and it's yep. very sad because if you go into... I, I did an outreach in my own community, in my projects, where I'm from. And we did, oh, I brought maybe, I don't know, 15, 16 pallets of food um, to serve my community uh, with bronze peacemakers. And we did that. And it was hard to get people to relay the message that it was food. But wow. in, the, in the community, when we wow. brought the, the food, they ran back and knocked on 10 doors and brought right, back right. their neighbors. Right, right, it, right. It's a community. So they do it but many times, you know, a little differently, depending where you are. Right. I definitely see that inside the, um, you know, the Spanish community is that La Familia is real. Yeah. Right, 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 right. It's real. And like in the black community, we're so separated. Right. Because yeah. you don't know who you are. It's, exactly. it's identity. It's identity. It's an identity. It's and identity, yeah. it's an identity is shaped in language. Right. So when you have your own language, mm-hmm. you know, you could be Dominican, Puerto Rican, Mexican, whatever. You're still right. of Latin descent, right? right? You have a language that's not... What's our language? Right. right. Homeboy talk? Yo, what's up? What's good, fam? Like, right. I know plenty of Puerto Rican dudes speak the same way I do. Yeah, exactly. So, what's the difference? And that's, that is a big difference. It's language. Yeah. Right. Language yeah. and culture. Um, the Latin community kept their culture. Yeah. They stay close. They 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 live close. You know what I'm saying? They they live. We've been taught to separate ourselves from one another, and so when it comes time for us to reach out to the other man, I'm thinking that he's coming to take from me. I don't want him to get because I don't want him to be better than me. And that's that's so wrong that we that we even think. And sometimes I don't even think we know that we think that way. Yep. So let me ask you this question. Let me ask you this question. How many times has You've been around some Spanish Spanish brothers. I'm about to go there. Don't even ask. And this. how many times they start talking about you? Yeah, yeah, about to. Oh, and they don't know. <laughs> I yo get 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 yo. We, we got to do Sunday school part two right now. Oh man, I need Sunday school part two. You know, you you, you want that? I yeah. need I need that. That's what I need. I'm gonna show I'm gonna show y'all a picture, man. It's gonna it's a funny picture here, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let me tell you something. There are times, there, there have been times where, you know, before I was saved, you about to get in some straight brawls 
because people look at you. Look at this picture right here, man. This is me right here. This is me. Wow. Wow. Wow, bro. That's crazy. So I walk into I walk into the bodega, full dreadlocks, full headed dreadlocks. Walk in. Wow. They told me I watch him. Yo, he got a soda in his hand. Hey, I got a I got a sprite. I got a can of sprite. And the man followed me all around the store. I just start going in circles in the store just to get the guy tired. <laughs> <laughs> and then I get to the front of the register. I go, yo, you didn't have to do me like that, man. I'm one of you guys, man. I'm, I'm like everybody else. Why would you follow me around? Sure, and the guy's sure. like, oh, man, I'm sorry. I apologize. This happens to me many, many times. Even guys, some Spanish guy ready to set me up to rob me one time. Me and my boy walking what? on the back blocks behind um, Belmont. And we come through the back block, and these little uh, little uh, Hispanic guys, man, they were all lined up. They had it. They were talking to each other in Spanish, screaming down the block. And the whole time, I knew their whole plan. <laughs> <laughs> so I, turned, I told the guy, like, "Yo, you know, I you set me up, right?" The guy, like, "Yo, I'm so sorry." Yeah, it's it's wow. sad. sad. It happens to me many. It still happens to me. It happens to me all the time. Yeah. Wow. That's- has to wow, that's incredible. That's a whole nother episode too, man. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's incredible, bro. That's 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 that that's crazy. That that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. So, how did you, where did this heart for 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 outreach? Where did it come from? Like, what what do you think is the the, the root of it, and why it impacted you the way it did? You know, I think I think uh, um, I, I tell my wife all the time. My wife has an entrepreneur spirit, right? And um, in doing so, I think she, I think they call them um, uh, serial entrepreneurs, where you're constantly looking for something. You're looking for the need. So my wife's always looking for the need and trying to fill that need with business. Uh, I think for myself, it's the same way. I saw there was a need, and, and my passion was to make sure that that void was filled. And the problem is that the churches, it's not so much, you know, I learned, it's not that they don't want to. They don't know how. It's not something we've been taught, right? Because um, when you go into the understanding of the fivefold, whether it be uh, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher, the fivefold, the one that nobody really talks about is the office of the evangelist. Right. Because there's no, there's no training for it. Mm-hmm. Right? So so how can the church be expected to do something that nobody getting the blueprint for? Right. Exactly. So you look at, you look at uh, the ministry of Jesus, uh, you know, that's the, probably the only telling uh, biblical reference we have on how to bring a masses of people, how to feed them, how to support them and understand mm-hmm. that many of them are not going to continue following you. They, many of them won't come back to your church right. um, and not be offended by that. Right. So um, I think that's what it was. I think the need I, I explained to you guys what it was like for me as a child coming out and coming into regular life and living the way I was and always remembering what that glory felt like. So when God called me through it, um, through through all that I was going through in life, I believe God was just preparing me to get into those places so that when he called me back to them, I had a voice. I can walk into any set of projects. My, my hood card is good anywhere, from Webster to Farragut. I can go to any project, Staten Island, Stapleton, wherever I want to go, I'm good because God has ordained me to go out and bring the good news. So I can go to any projects and I, I, I feel no fear. When I walk into those staircases and I smell urine, it smells like home. That's what my project smell like. You know what I'm saying? So I can go back and bring this love to them because that's what God called me to do. But I think mm-hmm. when you're in these places, 
then you get the passion for it. I think that many pastors have not felt that void. I think that we get so saved that we forget what it felt like to be lost. You know? Yeah. We yeah. forget what it was like, you know, when we was heartbroken and when many right, right, right. addicted and we were addicted to drugs and didn't have and had anger issues and womanizing issues. And we get so sanctified that we don't want to go back to that place. But that's the whole point. The whole point is to be able to go back there and say, right. yo, yeah, this is not it, man. This is what you look, this right. is what you're looking for. This is what you really want. So right. that's my passion. That's where my passion comes from. Wow. So that's, that's dope. That's ridiculously dope, man. Thank you, Lord. I love it. I love it. I love so how it. Did, so how did you get involved with the um um the the police department at the 48 precinct? How did that how did that come about? You know, it was interesting. You know, it's not something I was looking for. Um, I became a chaplain about five, six years ago. When I became a chaplain on um, the precinct, the 40th precinct had invited a few chaplains to um, join the the New York NYPD Citizens Police Academy. Okay, that, that's a certificate. That's a certificate I have right there. It's, it's a it's a police academy for citizens, so anybody can join it. And when you go in there, I got a binder in my in my in my office. It's about this big. It has every rule and law of the NYPD. So it gives you all procedures, everything. So when they're doing right, I know how what they did, what they followed. And when right. they do something right, I can say, well, that's not protocol. That's not how it's supposed to be. So you go, you get to run through the whole, I think like 13 weeks. It was really, really good. So after doing that, um, I did notice when things were happening, for instance, um, somebody get shot by a police officer, somebody gets killed by a police officer in New York City. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my head, Immediately, I thought to myself, like a pastor would, because I'm pastoring the city, who prayed for that police officer at the, at the beginning of his tour? He, right, like at the beginning of his day, who, who prayed for him? Right. And I realized that pastors were not praying for the police department. So that means that every day you have somebody, not and it's just somebody, you have thousands of people walking into your communities every day with guns, and you're not going to pray for not one of them? Mm. Right. right. So what I started right. to do was I started to call up precincts, and say, hey, I want to bring you guys lunch today, right? And I'll bring them sandwiches, lunch, potato chips, soda, coffee, whatever I could, and say, hey, while I'm here, can I pray for you guys while I'm here? And start doing roll calls. And that was that's how my relationship formed up with the police department. And I noticed that the the, the, the roll calls in the precinct that got prayed for, there was very little negative interaction between those precincts in the, in the community. And you look at something like Khalid Browder. I watched the Khalid Browder documentary. And um, I saw that was terrible, but worse than that, I met Kylie Browder on Rockets Island. And and I had the certificate down here at the bottom. I did Thanksgiving on Rockets Island. I met him and his his cellmate. Um, young guy, these guys are young. He told me, Listen, man, I'm here for a backpack that I didn't even steal. Right? His his, his cellmate said, I'm in here for a $200 bail that my parents don't have, my mother don't have $200. Two hundred dollars, my mother don't have to bail me out. Wow! You talking about November? She said when I get her income tax in February that she will bail him out for two hundred dollars. Seventeen year old kid. Wow. wow! Right? And I thought to myself, so all right, cool. Now when Kylie Browder uh, passes away, and now the documentary hits, and I hear about the forty eight precinct, I said, okay, I'm from the forty eight precinct. That's my neighborhood. I pass in the forty eight precinct, so I need to be in there. So I began right. to join the community council. I started going to their meetings. And eventually, knowing that I was a pastor and praying for them on a constant basis, they said, why don't you be our, basically be our precinct pastor, who's a clergy liaison, and come in and pray for us and be here with us. So I realized, okay, now I can support them in this way. 
if I can support right. the police officers and pray for them before they go out, you're not gonna you're not gonna arrest somebody innocent when you exactly. just for the beginning of your your right, shift, right, right. right? And at the same time, um, there was a community council that I never heard of. I lived on Webster Avenue 25, 26 years. I never heard of a, a, a precinct community council. Never heard of it before. So I said, wait wow. a minute, this is a council of people that have been in put in position to make decisions on behalf of the police department, the community for my better good. And I never met them. Uh -huh. before. So I said, I have to get in there. And now today I'm, I'm the interim president of the community council. Oh, wow. wow. Right. Wow. So, so wow. I, I got I got on the, the executive board, the executive board, the, the, the president, vice president stepped down. They say, hey, you're president and I'm going to be president going forward because I'm going to get elected in January. Right. Wow. So at the end of the day, now I'm in a position, the same kid who was homie, ran on the block, when eight thirty. I can come back and sit at the table at the precinct that Khalid Browder was arrested and ultimately committed suicide because of and sit at the same table and say, hey, we can make a change from this space. That's what's up. That's amazing. That's what's up. No excuse. Yeah. That's, That's amazing. Up. That's amazing. So yeah. tell us about um about the Bronx wow. Peacemakers. Yeah, the Bronx Peacemaker, man. That's my baby. Um, so me and my wife, um, Pastor Jessica, we saw there was a need. We said, okay, we need peace in the Bronx. Mm -hmm. So what we did was um we were already doing the protests, we're doing uh prayer marches, we were out there. So the the concept has already been proven that we can bring peace in places where there's unrest, civil unrest. So what we did was, honey, let's start an organization because we want to bring in churches, train churches on how to do outreach mm, mm. and equip them on how to do so, give them the support they need. And now um, we can be that. So if this is shooting, for example, on a street corner, the church that is responsible for that neighborhood, they'll have all the support of other networks of churches. So we're all fall on that area right. within 24 hours of the shooting to let that neighborhood know that the church is not gonna stand for murder in our community. Right. And that's how the Bronx Peacemakers came up. So the Bronx Peacemakers is a faith-based cure violence organization. That's what's up. You have, you, have, you have other cure violences like SOS, Save Our Streets, you have uh, Life Up, Guns Down, uh, you have um, RTG, Release the Grip, those are all secular faith, uh, right. you know, uh, gun prevention or, you know, anti-crime, whatever it is. But mm -hmm. for us, it's straight up faith-based. It's really for churches to get to get involved and start responding to the neighborhood. There should be no reason that I've seen. I have seen it for myself. There's no reason why a body gets dropped across the street from a church and that church don't respond. Right. Right. Wow. Wow. That's Bronx Peacemakers. That's so, so, so how can churches that, that, that are listening to this get involved with um, Bronx Peacemakers? Yeah, so we have social media platforms. We have um, Instagram. We have Facebook. They can message us on either one of those platforms. We also have www.bronxpeacemakers.com. They can go on there as well. And um, we do the training, get them what they need, and then also make sure they're connecting with other churches within their, their precincts. So, if you're part of the 40th precinct, the 41st, 42nd, 49th, 48th, we'll make sure that whatever churches that are around you that are brought up part of Bronze Peacemakers, if you have an issue, you have a, a crime, babies just were, were found um, killed last year. Yeah, two season. babies, yeah. Terrible, terrible, right? Yeah. So the Bronze Peacemakers will respond to that, right? And say, hey, we're here for the family, we're here for this neighborhood, and bring that peace because there's trauma that's taking place right now in that neighborhood. Yeah. Um, that 
our, our community of color for years we have dealt with. We just dealt with it. But you look at Columbine, how much support did they get after those no. shitty plays? Right? Look yeah. at Aurora, right? What happened? How much support did they get for the trauma that they experienced in their neighborhoods? Right? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. a young man gets his, his head blown off, right? On 149th Street. How much support did 149th Street get? None. Nothing because that's considered normal. This is my right. point. This is my point. They no, they normalize they normalize horrific acts to the point that oh. we're not even shocked anymore. It, it, right. even, even in the even in the music, I was watching. You know, I, I keep my ears to the ground, right? And when I started hear, uh, there's a freestyle battle with two. So I won't even say their names, but they have a, a, a freestyle. Or you guys are rapping against your battle rappers, and these guys, uh, you know, this I'm a pop you and this and that, or I swing the bullet this way, and who's gonna get killed and everything else. And I think to myself, I said, these guys are visually, uh, you know, or very verbally giving us a visual understanding of that. If you go to this, if you hear the words, after a while you go, man, that's gruesome. That's not normal for us. Right. But even with Junior's killing, right? We watch that hundreds, thousands, thousands of times over and over again. Every news channel over and over again. We watch this little kid, 15 years old, get slaughtered. Over and over and over again, right? That was on purpose, they were trying to desensitize us. There's not a desensitize us, yeah. Right? yeah. You, do you think that they play on uh, what happened in Columbine for the people who live out there? No, no, absolutely not. In fact, in fact, they'd rather show you the face of the person who did it than to show you the face of the person who got killed for us. Yeah. They play for us the, the the person being killed and how and how they're getting killed exactly and, and then they victimize the victim and then right. they victimize then they victimize the victims and people say oh that's not right how about him how about him and his family and that's okay we you know as a, as a minister you know I, I want to be there for his family right so right. we have a prison ministry as well and I go to prison guess what guys I got to pray for the pedophile I got to pray for the the rapist yeah. I got to pray for the thief and the murderer I got to pray for all these guys too but at the end of the day. Our communities are full of trauma that people are not talking about. So the Bronx Peacemakers is part of that. And I'll be honest, I'm not getting a big response. We've only been around for six months now. We're not getting a big response. And I'm not expecting to, probably for the first year. Because the churches, like I said, they're in trauma right now. They're trying right. to figure out how to pay their rents, how to pay their bills, how to not yeah. lose their church members, how to get their, their, um, their, their video and audio departments going. Yeah, they're streaming, yeah, yeah. Churches are going live for the first time. And I, I was telling, I was telling the apostle, I told my apostle, I said, people are going to churches here in the Bronx, 5,000 members in a, ch- in a single church. Don't even have a media department. That's the truth. And now nope. they got to reach all those people and try to grasp onto those people. So we're hoping that in the next six months, going for our first year, that we get a lot more churches signed on and that they can see that, you know, the church is the answer to the violence. Right. And, 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 to, and to that note, shameless plug. Any churches yeah, yeah, yeah. out there that need some help, that's right. Up, invisibleministry.com. Mm-hmm. Drop us an email. We'll come and take care of you and get you get you up to speed. But listen, this has been in late amazing and insightful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Full of full of good nuggets, full of information, good laugh and good laugh and learn, as we always say. But yeah, I have yeah. a special segment I want to try it on. <laughs> That's the kids don't even know this. I always, I always got, set up, man. I always, I always got something up my sleeve. Always got something up my sleeve. Always got something. I'm always, I'm always working on something. I'm always working on something. 
I got the power of the entrepreneur. <laughs> I'm always reckless. I'm looking for a need. I found a need. All right. So I'm going to call this 30 seconds of life. Now, what this is, I'm going to give you two choices. Ask you five questions, and you're going to answer whatever they are. I'm going to pick it. Okay. It's going to be 30 seconds. You got Let's 30 seconds. All right. Yankees or the Mets? Yankees. Train or the bus? Train. Text or a phone call? Text. TBN or ESPN? <laughs> TBN. <laughs> I don't watch sports. Favorite book in the Bible? Uh, the book of Job. Ding, ding. All right, all right, all right. Oh, wow, that's crazy. All right, so ladies and gentlemen, that's fun. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, cats and dogs of all ages, we want to thank uh, our man of God, Pastor yeah, for joining us. Um, guys. If people want to get in touch with you, how can they do that? I gave you my cell phone number, my direct cell phone number. My cell phone number is 917-690-0200. That's 24-7 in case any emergencies. And uh, you can you can reach me at bronzepeacemakers at gmail.com. That's what's up. Amazing, amazing. And listen... That's in the New York area or whoever, wherever you are, you're ever listening to, reach out to this brother. Yeah, take advantage. Pertinent information. The spirit of an evangelist is a special spirit because it's not, you don't run into this normally. You just don't run into this. Nah. So nah. I, I want to tell you that you are a blessing to the kingdom, sir. Thank yeah, you. bro. And, and we appreciate you. Um, you probably don't even know this, but we live in the same area code, sir. Okay. Yeah, we all three of us. <laughs> yes, sir. We live in the same area. We'll we break down where I live after we get off air. <laughs> hey. I don't nobody run up on me talking about. <laughs> I heard you lived over here. Nah, you know, I got my I got my hood card in my pocket, man. I'm okay. good. <laughs> okay, okay, great, awesome, awesome. Listen, <laughs> as we say every every show, yeah, man, and party, keep cool. God first in everything you do, cool. and we see you next time on the church. Church. Podcast. Yeah. 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 Yeah.